All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Stories from a Mountain Town. Uh, this is your host, Tyler, and today with me, I have Heather Stewart. Heather, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. And uh, everyone, Heather is one of the great employees at Jackson Hole Stillworks, and she has been in a handful of the videos that I've that I've produced for the Stillworks marketing. Um, you probably have seen her making such favorites as the Drunk Uncle or the um, what other titles we've made? made drinks? We did all the Halloween specials. All the know. spooky drinks, yeah, yeah. Spooky drinks. I don't know if we named with them. all the little kids' eyeballs and things like that. Um, but yeah, so Heather, welcome to the show. Uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourself, just to start. Let's see. Um, I've lived in Jackson Hole for about five years now. I think I'm I'm rolling into my sixth winter, and uh, it's such a fantastic place to be. I I absolutely love it out here. Um, I do a lot of snowboarding, uh, outdoor sports. It's kind of what brought me here, and mm-hmm. um, deeply embedded into the beverage industry, specifically the alcoholic beverage industry. Beverage industry, um, love it. Crossing over between um, working with spirits and uh, my my predominant passion is in wine. Yes. Sorry, one second. Get Bridger. Bridger's knocking at the door, and Taylor's not gonna not grab at him. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, where are you from? I don't think I even know. Uh, so I'm originally from outside the Seattle area. So my family, uh, Squim, Port Angeles, which is out on the peninsula by the Olympic Mountains out there, mm-hmm. um, is where they originally met and I was born. Uh, and then uh, ended up going to school just north of Seattle in uh, Everett and uh, in that area out there. And honestly, it's kind of cloudy and gray and rainy. And <laughs> the first thing I did after graduating high school was get out mm-hmm. and uh yeah i've been traveling around um exploring different areas and different parts of the world since then and um working in the restaurant industry predominantly uh to fund all of my adventures that have slowly landed me into jackson <laughs> yeah awesome and so you're you're definitely a wine expert and i was gonna introduce you as a sommelier when i was thinking about the episode but you explained that that's not really a qualification it's more of a title like a job title so yes, uh, a sommelier or a sommelier, depending on however you want to say it, is is technically a position in a restaurant. It is not originally a certification program. Um, it became a certification program after I think Fred Dane showed up and uh, passed a really awesome test out in London, and then sort of the quartermaster guild of sommeliers out here. Yeah. And so they have a program. I think it's the certified sommelier program which kind of became a thing and mm-hmm. everybody thought it was a certification where for the longest time it's actually just the position of somebody in a restaurant that helps guide you through the wine list helps organize the wine cellar and um is also the buyer and presents wine to a table it's actually moreover just a job title yeah so you're you're more of a extreme wine expert you're extremely certified and we'll get into that later maybe but today you've brought for us um, how do you pronounce the name of this wine? <laughs> I just want to call it Shabbles half the time. <laughs> I, so let's see if I can pronounce. I didn't know if I was actually going to pronounce this because my French is really rusty. Uh, Chatron et, was it uh, Fabroche? Um, this is a Premier Cru Chablis from uh, Bruay. Uh, <laughs> so yes, I did take a little bit of French in school. I could have butchered that fully, but uh, hopefully don't call me out on that. Uh, so this is, I like to call it Shabbles. Um, it's way more fun just to call Chablis Shabbles. Uh, I am a Chardonnay fanatic, and this is one of my favorite Chardonnays. Uh, It's from a cooler climate in uh, France, 
and they just have a lot of like really awesome limestone soil which creates these really vibrant acidity structures and it's mm -hmm. just a super amazing ex expression of chardonnay and all the different places that that grape can go yeah so um listeners if you haven't noticed yet heather and i mean this in the in the in the best way is a total total booze nerd and especially a wine nerd like so if you've seen from any of the social stuff that i've been you know posting for for stillworks they're doing a lot of like warm cocktails and and sloshies and things and and even separate from that whenever i go over there heather's always like mixing up some concoction in the back like testing it out with all these like funky combinations of things that that i just have no concept of being as a part of a cocktail together and you could hear from the sentence you just said of like you look into things a little bit deeper and different than the the average uh the average drinker does well it, it it's so fun like playing with uh different flavors and um with wine a lot of its history and culture for me that's really what drives me in is learning more about location and the people behind it and that's really the funnest aspect of wine um when it comes to making the cocktail so restaurants uh since the beginning i think started bartending at 17 <laughs> serving tables at 16 bartending at 17 and bar managing by the time i was 19 um and then from there on out it was there's also the the culinary side so you'd jump i would jump back and forth because i had just as much fun with the kitchen staff as i did the front of the house staff mostly just because i got tired of customers and i would need to take a break and <laughs> i would i would go and wash dishes or i'd go prep cook and you know really play with the food and talk to the different chefs and uh one of the more entertaining sloshies that i think that we've come up with is what the, the real name is going to be um just the mexican chocolate cake or um right now we're just calling it Feliz Navidad for the holidays but it's a vodka with chocolate and cayenne which people are just like this is the craziest flavor combination but it's really really good yeah it, it tastes like for those wondering it tastes like a spicy Wendy's frosty <laughs> yes it's what I thought it tasted like <laughs> and it's one of those things like it's just randomly so good and and like for me it's like I've I've known these different flavor combinations from working in restaurants for so long that they just kind of come second nature like I kind of know what goes together on a food side so and then also with working with food and wine is that you start thinking of like alcohol flavor profiles pairing with food flavor profiles. And it's, mm -hmm. it's just a, you just, it's just something I've been, I've been in, inducted in for a really long time. So yeah, central. definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Every time, like I told you this joke before, like my normal, uh, cocktail mixes whiskey and ice. Like I have, just have no concept for like, oh, let's put a bunch of this random stuff together and it's going to taste really good because of these flavor profiles and, and all the stuff that you talk about. And I just am so mind bottled when you mind boggled rather when you. <laughs> that's my that's my Instagram handle. Oh, yeah. Name is mind bottling. I didn't even I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Her, yeah. To to uh, <laughs> plug myself to plug to plug right away on Instagram at mind bottling. <laughs> um, if you like snowboard pictures um art some you do like some painting stuff some still work stuff if you ever actually read it it gets a little bit in depth and there's poetry and and poetry, sometimes i yeah. go on some soul searching missions in there just because yeah why not mm -hmm. yeah did you let's, let's get into snowboarding did you have you always been a snowboarder Yes, but I didn't start young. So I um, uh, I didn't grow up with much money. Uh, so my family was not the type that went on ski vacations. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was something that was slightly foreign to me. As I said, I ran. I didn't really run away. I just left uh, the Pacific Northwest when I was 18 in search of sunshine. 
And I moved to Hawaii and I was out there for, I would say, about two years. I lived up on the North Shore of Oahu, you know, like Pipeline, Wamea Bay. Honestly, that's a very interesting place for an 18-year-old to show up. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure I learned more than I would have if I went to college. Uh-huh. <laughs> we we had a lot of fun. Um, I tried to learn how to surf, but it's not the best place to learn. Anyways. What, it, what year roughly was that in? Um, so I was out there. I remember being out there for 9-11. And I remember, so I graduated high school 2000. And so I left not long after that. So I would say fall 2000 and I came back, 9-11 was out there. So I came back in 2002. Uh-huh. Nice. So it was before it like blew up. I think I was out there for the filming of Blue Crush because I remember meeting <laughs> the girls Weren't and you? I remember being an extra in the film, but my yeah. part was cut out. Yeah. I was like, no. I was supposed to be an extra. Like I remember being in the Volcom house because that was actually a thing that that, that place raged. Uh, but yeah. I remember being in the Volcom house with the camera people and everything, but whatever scene that I may have or may not have been in as an extra dancing in a party was cut out. So Darn. Yeah. So it was your acting career started and stopped pretty quickly. <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> in Blue Crush. That was such a good movie. <laughs> so much angst in the surfing community. Um, yeah, and uh, so I think in the middle of that, uh, for my, it was my 19th birthday, uh, my family ended up getting a timeshare in, in Whistler, and somehow we were all able to scrounge together and ship me home, hung out with my parents, and then me and my cousins went up to Whistler, and I took my first snowboarding lesson. Mm-hmm. And um, it was cold, and the snowboarding instructor was hot, <laughs> and he hung out with me. <laughs> and I remember going to a bar, and somewhere, like, you're supposed to, like, sign your name. On your birthday, you're supposed to sign your name after every shot, and they give you the piece of paper at the end. Uh-huh. And I remember seeing the tw- – I remember waking up, like, the next day or maybe two days later <laughs> <laughs> and seeing the scribble of my name for the 22nd time. And I'm just like, I turned 19, but I kept going. <laughs> I was like, is that for real? Did I do that to myself? Um, so yeah, that was a little little ridiculous. But I, I remember snowboarding a couple of times and just kind of like having a blast. Because the ocean at that point had terrified me. Because learning how to surf on Sunset Beach is not a good idea. Where is that? Is so that Sunset Beach. So yeah, so north of Hawaii, uh, you got some classic breaks. Mm-hmm. You know, got Waimea Bay is where they do the big wave surfing. Like huge 100 foot waves. Mm-hmm pipeline is there so you got like rockies and, and a couple of the other ones i can't remember the names of which is pipeline and that's where they do the the big pipeline surf competition that happens out there and then just on the other side of that is sunset beach and and get big but it also can push you into some very scary places that mm-hmm. are kind of rocky and bony so um, i had a couple bad experiences what took me out of out of surfing yeah it just scared me uh and have I, you ever I, seen sorry to cut you off go ahead. have you ever seen um the momentum generation uh, nope. Documentary. It's a documentary on um, Kelly Slater and all those guys. I almost ran over him with my car. <laughs> In Hawaii? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, if you're listening, he, she she's sorry. I'm super sorry about that. <laughs> um, but it's a documentary on like showing that they all lived in the same house on the North Shore when they were growing up. And then all these guys who were just buddies to start, but they surfed every single day and then they started filming themselves, grew up and were like the superstars of the surf scene and kind of are still the superstars of the surf scene. The uh, What is it? Andy Irons and, and the other one, the Irons brothers were there. I remember I met Jack Johnson just as he was blowing up. You know, the whole Bubbly Toes song had just come out. With the singer? Yeah. Because he was a surfer, he's a big. He he's a Hawaii. He's a surfer. He's more. He was always more part of that community than he was oh. a musician. And he kind of did the jump right about the time that I was out there. I didn't know uh, that. I thought he was just a singer. 
No, he was a surfer. He's a big wave surfer. And so he was part of like, I think I met him at a friend's house that we're hanging out. And, you know, he was actually pretty big at that point. So I definitely did have the whole like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But Have you (laughs) just speaking on the fanboy thing, the fangirl thing? Um, I met Travis Rice one day in, at the resort, and I was like, yeah, I, I like saw him. Like It was in um, the Bridger Center at the, the second level. Uh-huh. I was just up there like browsing around with, with – um, my sister was in town. And he comes up the stairs, and I just look, and I'm like, hi, Travis. <laughs> he better like, hi. And he looked at me like – like his first look was like, oh, is it somebody that I know, like a friend? And, and it's just like, hey, I'm Tyler. <laughs> and I was just like inside – my insides were screaming because yeah. of like, holy shit, this is Travis Rice. This is like one of your favorite snowboarder of all time. Yeah. And then ex- he is amazing. Ex- yeah. Absolutely. Amazing. He was so nice. And oh. it was, he was an extra. And I'm just like, be cool, be cool. And <laughs> like, he was so nice. Like we just chatted. He was like saying he just got in from Burning Man. He was just doing these hikes. I was like, oh, that's so cool. He like, I told him that we had, you know, that was like the summer, like they're our first summer here. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, we moved here in March and my girlfriend's a nurse. And he's like, oh, that's so cool. My mom was a nurse and and we lived on Saddle Butte. So like he knew some of the folks up there. And I was like, yeah, yeah, we live there. And he was like, like, I'm not, I've not met a ton of like famous people, but probably the most, probably the, the best conversation that I've had with anybody that I would consider famous. Yeah, no, I I've run across him a, a couple times. Um, I remember going to see uh, what is it? The Art of Flight was the first big movie he was in. Was that what it was called? The Art of Flight. Uh, it had. Like, I would say. I mean, all his movies are pretty big, but that was the one that kind of went like supernova. Yeah, the the supernova one because that's because I don't follow anybody when it comes to this stuff. Because keep I, talking. I, like, I'm going to get Bridger. No worries. Um, I don't really, I don't really watch a lot of things on the TV or the internet, and. Um, I'm pretty keep going because I should I keep going because he's playing with his puppy. Hmm. Anyways, I'll, whoever's listening on this one. So I um that was the first like sat down and watched uh, a snowboard film and was completely blown away. Like internally, like I was sitting there like I could do that. I could totally send it like that. And I still watch that video and get really amped up. Like I have yeah. I have that album like on my spotify playlist and i will listen to it when i'm snowboarding just to see if i can get myself to go a little bit bigger but i i I went i I met him at the premiere of his movie of that movie in park city and it was just kind of like a a big event with a bunch of people here but i've ran into him a couple times in jackson and uh, my one of my favorite stories is he used to come to one of the restaurants i managed a lot and we he was by himself and we just started chatting and whatever the second movie was i can't remember what the second one was called Uh, then he did the fourth phase the fourth phase which I think, yes, I have seen that. Um, we were talking about, it was right before the premiere of the fourth phase here in Jackson, and he actually invited me to go see it. You know, it was going to give me tickets, even though I, I, I just, I don't go out a lot. So I <laughs> I kind of feel bad I didn't go. Um, you got invited <laughs> by Travis Rice to go to see Travis Rice's movie, and you didn't go to it. I didn't go. I was like, Heather! Oh, there's so many people, I get overwhelmed. I was all like, oh my gosh, this sounds anxiety. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I still, but I still like the story. I'm all like, Travis Rice invited me to go watch Travis Rice like got a personal invite to go watch it yeah so i still get i still get a little fangirl to that about that one but yeah like but a lot of those guys like in that community are, are some of the nicest people you'll come across that have like mm-hmm. made it that far and you're just like oh you guys are awesome i still haven't gotten to the point to where like i'm have the confidence to be like hey can i go ride with you because i just i'm just not there yet <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, definitely. <laughs> the, the, to speak on the art of flight. So that, I don't know if that, I think it came out like at the beginning of when I was in college. Um, but it was on Netflix when I was in college, when I was like a junior. And uh, I, I went to school in Duluth, Minnesota. So pretty snowy for Minnesota, like some hills. Like I think the, the resort I would go to in town was like 700 feet vertical. Like good for Minnesota. Send it. But yeah. Um, but the the segment, the Jackson Hole segment in Art of Flight, it starts with the drone shot over, over the Grand or the Tetons. Mm-hmm. And it just, they like were able to like, they were able to like Photoshop the word like Jackson Hole, like into the crevices of the mountains. So it looked like it was kind of like layered in there. And it starts off, it like kind of, the, the, the big music stops and it's just like quiet. And it's just Travis saying like, home yeah and so he has a monologue about jackson he definitely had a lot of those dramatic entrances in that movie of just like intensity to calm yeah yeah but it was like he then he was talking about like there's some special energy that happens here and um i've, I've told you that i've been my family's come out been coming out here for since like 2004 um staying at the teton club going to the resort you know vacation stuff and I've always kind of felt that energy. And then he kind of spoke it. When he spoke it, it was like, oh, that." so that's actually what I'm feeling when I come here. Like, it, there was always some special connection when I came here. And then he started to say, like, there's a special energy that that radiates around here somehow. Oh, and yeah, then I was I, like, oh, that's, that is what that is. I think it. Like, if you're in Jackson long enough, it actually changes who you are to the core Mm -hmm. um that's i think one of the the main reasons that i've stayed in jackson for so long is um i've always been fairly adventurous but i've never been incredibly athletic hence the booze side of things i think it's always (laughs) always kind of like you know i'm gonna go run a marathon maybe not i just bartended a late shift and we decided to finish the bottles before we were done um but something about being in jackson it is elevated my desire to go and test my own limits and what it is that I'm capable of. And that's a that's a great somebody write that down. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking, um, speaking to the audience. Audience, somebody write that down and send it back to us. Um so it you know, so for coming here, like I've I've definitely like done a lot of exploring. I was at U- I was in Utah before this, so I did Snowbird for a long time. I was did Moab snowboard so i was uh taught snowboarding and i also um helped assist with the wine program up at the airy restaurant which is one of the coolest wine programs ever uh fred barbier you're amazing you've made an amazing wine list shout out fred barbier it's it's 44 pages long (laughs) it's pretty cool um and then in the summers i was down in moab and i was a river guide so i would um be guide people on the green river in the colorado and then i would a special guest joining us sorry to cut you off again hi honey Taylor and Bridger just walked in. He's such a cute puppy. Bagger Bridger. <laughs> Bridger thinks he needs he needs second dinner. It's it's eight it's eight eighteen right now on New Year's Eve, and Bridger thinks he needs second dinner when he got fed at like four thirty. He's kind of a cool dog. He should. He can't. I I'd have a hard time saying no to that dog, <laughs> even though apparently that's why I'm not the alpha when it comes to that. <laughs> You're like, yo, you can have what you want. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so I I, I lived in Utah and I I'd go back and forth, kind of playing in the wine world in the winter time and snowboarding in the summertime, just kind of dirty river hippie. Uh, <laughs> it's so much fun. 
uh, and move moved to Wyoming after that. It, but in Utah, like I maybe went back country once. Uh, that was the first time I bought, bought a split board was my last season out there. And it was a volet that I got off a girlfriend for like 50 bucks. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's like going into these sports that can be insanely expensive. It's really hard to move in that direction. I think I was yeah. at the time I was dating a guy who at one point was like an Alaska heli ski guide. And so he kind of took me through my AVI program when I was there. And when I came out to Jackson, it took a little while, but it started to creep in that I bet I can go higher. I bet I can go bigger. You move from wanting to ski chairlifts all day to wondering if you can get that one line of pristine fresh powder because it shifts from getting how many runs can you get to how good can I make that one run? And I will work for it because like that one run that is like bliss is worth cheers. Cheers to that. Yeah. There's there's like there's, a, there's a handful of times when I hear things from other people and I realize I'm not crazy. Yeah. What no, you just amazing. said is like well, how I'm I've my transition in the last like since I moved here is exactly that going from like I got the resort, you know, I I did I've done Corbett's like you know, pow days of the resort are awesome. Unbelievable. They're amazing. They're safe. They're you can get a ton of runs. But now taking it to the, to the next step of what you just said of like, you know, I'm willing to work to go ride only powder every single day. Yeah. Basically with, and I like to do it with my dogs, but that's an added thing. But no, it, it's an amazing experience. It's like even at the resort on a powder day, like there's almost this energy of you have to fight for it amongst <laughs> other human beings. Like, yeah, you know, no friends on a powder day. exactly. No friends on a powder day. But when you move it in the back country, it's all about your friends having like that one pristine experience. Like, I don't yeah. know how many times where I'm having probably going through like the worst physical struggles that I've ever gone through trying to skin up something that is not comfortable or fun. And I'm with people that are very supportive of me and be like, no, we'll wait for you. We're with this because mm-hmm. no one else is doing this. We're not in a competition to get to the top. We'll get yeah. there soon. Um, and then we get to the top and we all strap together and, you know, we go down one at a time, like we'll take pictures or film each other. But it's one of those experiences where like for however many thousand feet that I'm going downhill, I'm not crossing another person's tracks. Yeah. Or like if it's, it's safe terrain, like, well, you know, if it's steep, we go one at a time. But if it's safe terrain, we just get a party ski. It's just like me and my friends in quiet. It's the, it for me, like we don't wear headphones often. Like it's just the quiet sound of listening to us all snowboard and it's just beautiful. Like I think it was actually on my birthday. Um, I had one of the most amazing experiences. Uh, we went and did, we almost did uh 10686. We just went right underneath 10686, which is you go up, what is that Mavericks? And then you go out and then you go at the top of Mavericks is 10686. Where do you, which, which parking lot do you start at for the that? The further one, the one that's the one that's the same one that you would use to go up 25 short. Bradley Taggart. Yeah, Bradley Taggart. Yeah. And you just, instead of going up 25 short, you just keep going towards South. Mavericks. It's actually shorter than doing the other way. So we, we mapped yeah. that out. It's like a mile and a half versus the other one. It's like 2.5. Yeah. Um, All those. So we did that for our, we did 25 short for our Abby one, like I told you. Uh-huh. Um, seemingly all those routes you just mentioned pl- and 25 short, that's a, that's a decently long, like flat entrance and exit. Yeah. Right. We like to call it the egress egress yeah right word. but like there's so there's um that was something different for me because like i'm used to going just to the past like parking at the top you know doing glory or going along the ridge until i go to edelweiss or you know like i'm not usually like think having to think about 
there's like a mile and a half of flat at the end of this to consider into the uh you know your timing and you know the, kind of the whole the whole planning process yeah and um a lot of people don't like it i actually really kind of enjoy both sides because like for me especially if you're starting my my best friend that i go with likes to leave really early in the morning and i don't know how many times i've sat in the car and i'm looking at the 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 temperature gauge and says like ne- negative 17 <laughs> or negative 12 or whatever and i'm just sitting here going like, i don't want to get out <laughs> but i can't show weakness with him um yeah. i can but i try not to and is he uh, one of your uh Armed Forces friends? No, so those guys are a little bit different. So Bradley, Brad, Brad is probably one of my favorite humans out here. Most people that are, if they've they've been in the valley for long enough, they've snowboarded to know who he is. Um, he's kind of like the ghost of the backcountry in the general sense that that's he, a good that's a good title. He 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 is in my mind like he he's more of a myth and a legend out there than anything <laughs> else. Uh, he is the type of guy where like most pros know who he is because he will pass them on the boot pack up. <laughs> uh, he's so fast. Uh, he knows his way around. He spent a lot of years, I think, just playing around solo, just discovering everything on his own and just being on his own out there and playing and exploring, goofing off. And like slowly, he's actually like accumulated a small crew of us. Uh-huh. And, um, it, and it, it's, it's actually a lot, of, a lot more fun. And I think he enjoys having the extra company around. But, you know, he's kind of our our leader in all of this. Um, what do you, what do you think about the idea that he did it all solo versus like, so, um, since he's still alive and safe, yeah, like and that, where we think yeah. it's super cool that he went solo and explored all this. Now he has gained all his knowledge, but like say he was in the middle of this process and something there, slid. And now I think that that actually you know, scared a lot of people, uh, from, being a touring partner of his for a little while but at the same time like if you get to know him as a person like it's more of a need for him to be outside um it's um he's got so much energy he's got so much that needs to be expressed physically outward Mm -hmm. that if he doesn't have a partner he has to go um and and in a general sense like he's a couple years older than i am i'm 39 so i think he's like 42 so it was just kind of a transfer process oh hello we another guest. Hi, puppies. Heather, this is Zuma. Hi, Zuma. <laughs> Zuma is a friend so of the podcast. Dog. I mean, that means Haley's here. Uh, no. Hi, Haley. What? Can you close the door? Yeah. And and come say hi to Heather. Hi, Haley. Thank you. Hey. I think that was. I don't. I don't know who that was. Maybe uh, Ryan. I'm not sure Maybe. if that was. Um, I wasn't paying that much Haley's attention. Haley's roommate. That's not. He came with Heather or with Haley. And you're back. Hi, hi buddy. Hi. Um. <laughs> Hey Haley. Hi. <laughs> That's the best thing about having like roommates and friends and parties. Like, there's always this fun in and out going. I, yeah. Yeah. Um. Oh, so wait with him. So I've I've heard both sides of the story about like uh, the fact that he would just go out on his own, kind of like mm-hmm. I think threw people off. But he enjoys going with other people more than anything else. It's he's one of the safer partners I've ever come across. Like he has an innate understanding of what the snowpack is doing. Like it's has, I think he has a hard time articulating it, mm-hmm. but at the same time he knows what's good and what's not, what's safe and what's not. Um, he has gotten himself into some scarier situations, but he's learned from them as well. And he's passed on the knowledge to the rest of us. It's, it's hard. It's hard to say. Like, um, I don't think there's many, many people that can keep up. 
and and do the things and the projects that he wants to do and it's been a little while so i think now he actually has a as a small crew of people that keep that can't keep up i'm not one of those i'm the one that shows up on the day where he's just like i just did four days of ten thousand feet and i'm doing an easy leg day so i'm the easy leg day friend only the four thousand vert. Yeah, day. I'm all like I can do like four, four and a half, um, which is mm-hmm. awesome. But we went out on my birthday, and it was um, it was kind of the whole crew, and we had probably one of the most beautiful experiences that none of us had our GoPros on for, and it's always going to be classic for that. Is mm-hmm. we're coming out and it's a lower angle, the sun's setting, completely untouched, and it had been a while since it snowed, so there was all that hoarfrost on the top, so those big yeah. kind of like leafy flakes that are just hugely reflecting this golden sun back. So it was these can wide... You, can you talk more about hoarfrost, please? Hoarfrost. And this is something Hoar. I've learned. So you Hoar. you mentioned it when we did our glory climb, and then um, I was able to take... And, I, and then I asked you about it, and we, I was able to take that into Abby One and like teach the group about it because of you. So I want to give you oh, credit. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, because wow. I do nothing about it. You're like... You're like texting me and Eric and you're like, oh man, that like that whore is growing. And we're like, what is she talking about? <laughs> uh, so Horfrost, uh, it's fun to say. <laughs> um, so let's say we got a bunch of snow and it's still really cold, but it doesn't snow for a long time. The top layer of snow will change in crystalline formation and it turns into these beautiful like wave-like feather aspects on the top. And I think the longer it goes, the bigger these things get. And it's super delicate, super it's like It's like, think of building a snowflake that's half the size of your hand and then sticking them all up on end on the surface layer of snow. So like you can get them yeah. like, they can be a couple inches high and they, they, but sometimes they're small and they're beautiful when the sun reflects off of them. Cause they're like, it's like all these sparkly things everywhere. Mm-hmm. But when you get another layer of snow that falls on top of that, it's, um, creates like this really intense weak layer. Yeah. Um, so our, base, yeah. Our, our, every, our, uh, everyone instructor, um, Colin, if you're listening, I still want to have you on. I'm trying to get him on cause he's a really cool guy. Um, he explained that, um, it's basically like a winter version of dew. Yes. Like it freezes when there's not snow coming down in really cold stretches. And it has decent strength, like vertically. Uh-huh. So stuff pressing down on it, straight down on it, like a new layer of snow straight straight down on it is fairly stable on its own. Okay. But then if but it has very bad like horizontal strength. So if any sort of disruption like a snowboarder, skier, snowmobiler, or even like, you know, any settling of the top layer mm-hmm. is really, really harsh. It's really bad. Oh, yeah. That, like, so when the top layer falls down on top of these beautifully, like, crystalline feathered structures that are sticking up, like, you can, yeah. you, snow will sit there. But as soon as you disrupt that layer of feathers, mm-hmm. like, when one goes, it's like a domino's effect. They hit yeah. the next one, the next one, the next one. And basically, then you kind of just end up with a layered slab side. You know, yeah there it all goes and 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 that um the the stretch of time we're talking about was like when did we do our glory climb like early december yeah, i don't remember early early december <laughs> there was a stretch where we had a lot of inversion really yes. cold in the valley um no snow really cold and dry clear skies and that time period is causing us avalanche issues right now because that's 
yes, that weak yes. layer is giving us a really bad persistent slab problem right now. Yeah, and that's why for me and my friends when we go out, that's why we haven't done any big climbs. That's why we're doing yeah. um, Mavericks over and over or 25 short or just doing like, you know, Albright and Wimpies. It's just because like anything above that, you're like, yeah, I'd like to survive. Um, yeah. Because that, that layer, I think the only thing that's going to basically cure that layer is a lot, a lot, a lot of snow and it, for it to be really cold for a long time. Is that so? so? So that's basically the only thing that's going to clear that is like heavy weighted snow that's going to basically crush everything. Just it's just going to bury natural womb thing that'll just like settle it out. Yes, I mean I don't know that much about snow science to where it can um, to what exactly causes the changes. I know that there's a temperature variance between uh, the temperature of the ground versus the temperature in the air. When mm. the temperature of the air is colder, it actually sucks the heat out of the ground and changes the crystalline formations as it moves up through. Facets it. Changes the facet Fast, formation. Faceting. So, um, yeah. Or first, yeah, something along the Is it a verb? Lines. I'm not sure. Um, so I, I would have to get into that a little bit more. Um, I do have uh, some friends of mine that, that, that do study snow sciences. You know, you're referring to some of my, my more entertaining military friends. One of my bestie friends out of Utah um, went to school and wanted to, went to school for snow science and mountaineering. And has his, you know, AVI 3, AVI 3 instructor certifications. And so whenever I want to nerd out on that, that's kind of like my text. Like, what does this mean? What is going on? Keep going. Your second camera up. Yeah. I'm just drinking some wine. Um, and and so when, when it moves into getting like your AVI 2 and your AVI 3, is something that I'd like to do in the future. But that moves into more of like, you know, weather patterns predicting and and snow science predicting like you know what do you think is going to happen if a b and c happens and you know making a little bit more sketchy guesses on okay no educated guesses not sketchy guesses, educated guesses on what's going on where right now i i know what's dangerous i know what's not and i know the warning signs and i know what to stay away from and i know how to use the apps on my phone which is awesome because mm -hmm. there's amazing apps that you can use to be like okay so if south face if north facing slopes are extra slidey today what do i have that is not north facing that i can play on i can just pull that all up and be like well mm -hmm. we can go here 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 and here it's way less dangerous um i honestly think that when it comes to this the more you know is inherently going to make you safer um i i honestly think that for so many people out there the more that you learn the more you think that you can outthink the the actual danger and the actual avalanches that you can outthink what's going on out there. Mm -hmm. So there is that general sense of where I'm at to where I know enough to be scared. And because of that, I think it's continually making me have smart decisions. Um, but there is also the, the other half of curiosity of like, so if I know more, like then I can be able to assess these things, but I'm actually worried that if I start learning more, then I would be pushing my levels of what I'm comfortable with, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, um, we learned this, we learned in our, in our Abby one class and in a, a book that I read too, that, um, the, 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 the people that are 30 days out from getting their everyone certification are the statistically most likely to get caught in an avalanche because of that exact dynamic of, they think they know a lot, but they don't, what is it? They don't know what they don't know. So they think they can go out and out, go out and outsmart nature and, and the conditions. And they think they're equipped with all this knowledge that they got in every one. We're equipped with a lot, but it's not enough to outsmart nature by any means. You still, you still need to follow the rules of being in safe terrain and everything. But yeah, that was something that 
every time I think to go out, I'm like, I don't want to be another one of those statistics. Oh, gosh, no. Let me get to 35 days and they'll get caught. Yeah. And um, it's been a while for me to be able to kind of find um, backcountry partners that I, I really, well, there's a, there's a twofold kind of you have to, that I'm looking for in a backcountry partner. One is somebody that is, has not a lot of an ego. Somebody who will pull back easily. Um, which is probably one of my favorite things about all of my touring partners. Like they will rope in, they, they do all of the, the mountaineerings, like, you know, the ice axes, crampons, the whole nine. I have yet to go with them on a lot of these excursions <laughs> at some point I will. Um, so, but they don't have an ego about it. Like they've got no problem turning back. They've got no need to get to the top of this. Um, mm -hmm. that's one of the biggest things that I look for. They've also got a ton of experience. The other one is the fact that we all just have fun together like we can make jokes about different things we goof off nobody's stressed out in any way shape or form like i, I think the last time i went out oh that was on christmas and that's um <laughs> i'd hurt myself and i was still hiking with a torn hip labrum so i was struggling on the way up and realized halfway up i actually couldn't hike uphill anymore but anyways i made it and then i lost one of my pucks fell off so i was missing part of my puck and i was so happy that i actually had all of the things that i needed to be able to fix this problem <laughs> i'm so proud of myself i was just sitting there like patting myself on the back like i can't lift my right leg but i'm patting myself on the back that i fixed this gear problem and um you know like the the partner that i was with i can tell that he was but we were planning on doing two laps and i was could tell he was bummed but um we went up and then we went down and then when i told him that my puck was missing and i told him he had to go find it and so it would actually worked out really well because I sent him back up for another run. And I said, he's one of the fastest people out there. Uh -huh. So I hung out, chilled and enjoyed myself before I kept on going down and then skin out to the car. And I, I got lost a little bit. I think I ran into some bushes. Like, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was an interesting outing for me. <laughs> I realized that I can get lost really easy if I don't know where I'm going. Uh -huh. And, uh, you know, did, did my transition and then ended up skinning back to the car, which is that mile and a half egress you were talking about. Mm -hmm. This is how fast he is. I got to the car, I found the keys, unlocked the car, put my snowboard in it, was getting ready to go to the bathroom, and I saw him skinning back to the car. <laughs> so he skinned up 2,000 feet, snowboarded down, and met me at the car within a, probably about 15 minutes of me getting there. Wow. I was poking around doing a lot of really stupid stuff, but um, <laughs> it was actually, it, it was a lot of fun. And, um, you know, like having that dynamic where like you can be comfortable being like, I can't go, but you should go, and this is what I'm going to do. And like having these like entertaining, like, like group dynamic conversations of just like what's safe what not so if it was not safe in any way then of course we would have done something different but yeah um we both were able to have an amazing day without having any sorts of drama about anything i'm like mm -hmm. yeah i was hurt and i lost something but whatever yeah you know he still had a good day i had an amazing day and uh it was super fun um and it's, what it, what's on. your what's your uh split board setup right now uh, so I've got a couple that I'm, I've got, um, so far, so far I've got the Jones, uh, it's a flagship and uh, with spark bindings. I kind of have a thing for spark bindings cause they're so simple and easy. And whenever they That's break, have, you yeah, can just great. send them back to sparks and they'll fix them for yeah. you Yeah. or they send you the stuff to fix them. It's like the best company to work for. I've yeah. been on that. Shout out to spark. I'll tag them. I'll tag them in the social post. Um, if, if anybody from Spark is listening and could get somebody to want to come on the podcast to talk to, I would love to talk to anybody from Spark because I love your bindings. Apparently, Heather loves your bindings too. Oh, our whole crew does. Like, yeah. We've had a couple of people trying to like move us over to Karakoram and nothing against Karakoram. It's just like, for some reason, we're just diehard Sparks fans. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's just what we use because there's they have such great customer service. Yeah. Um, and the product is pretty much like indestructible. And if it is destructible, you they just 
basically give you the stuff to fix it. You know? Yeah. And I just bought, I just got at, at Hoback. They had a little, like it's a, like a repair or not a repair kit, but like a emergency kit uh-huh. of parts, like the most common parts that you'll screws. get all the screws, screws all the and screws. like straps. All of the screws. It's like that. It's like the most common screws and things to lose in one pack. Screws. Do you have that? Yes. But also just go get more of the screws. <laughs> like you can buy them for 15 cents each. The ones that actually hold the toe piece set in like that little like triangle thing. Yeah. Um, go get like they're 15 cents each. Go back and get like 20 of them because for me, I think the grip, the, the grip glue on them, I think it's a color that's blue will come out. So like I, I will go through probably about four to five of those screws a season. No way. Well, yeah, my, my bindings are also like five years old. Oh. So it how many happen. days touring do you think you get per season? I, I really don't know. I don't count these things. I don't have a pass this year, so it'll be solely touring. But I'm also old, so I hurt myself a lot. Um, right now, I've had to take a week off because I tore my hip labrum, and then I decided to go hiking after I put my hip out of its socket. Um, I have no clue, actually. Like, 50. Uh, That's I, a lot. I, I would say an average of 50 because, like, the the pass becomes my gym um same so the, the pass is my cardio the pass is my cardio gym like i'll go up there and be like how fast can i make it to edelweiss and back mm-hmm. you know and so that's like my once a day thing that you know i would do you know now you know as long as the parking's decent like you get up there you just make it happen and if you can do that two to three days a week you know that's awesome yeah you know or that's um, why nobody that lives in jackson is fat yes um unless they're injured like me right now and, no you're not you're not fat no no i know i'm not but like i'm <laughs> i'm I eat like I'm still touring when I'm I'm not. <laughs> I have a hard time with that because I still like the food. But um, yeah. So like the that that's the other entertaining thing that I, I struggle with is like I'll go back and forth those, those times where I'm touring a lot and the amount of food that I have to consume. I actually don't buy that much food and I don't have enough. And so yeah, it's I'm expensive like, to feed our, our metabolism. Exactly. I'm all like, how do I keep eating? Like I don't work in restaurants anymore. And that's used to, it used to be how I'd fund this. You like, you go and they do like the family meals and they like have food for everybody. You just eat all of it. <laughs> like all of it. You're in the front of the line and you have the biggest plate ever. Yeah. And it was amazing because like it would feed the fact that you just climbed, you know, 4,000 feet that day or whatever. Yeah. And now I'm just like, <laughs> you go to Whole Grocer and try and buy that much food. <laughs> Don't go to Whole Paycheck. Oh, God, no. Don't go to Whole Paycheck. <laughs> but, you know, like you can go to Smith's or like, but, you know, putting the effort in to be able to cook enough food for yourself to sustain this lifestyle mm-hmm. is really hard. Um, but when I'm not doing it, then I still want to eat the same way. And it's awesome. Yeah. Well, like it's, it's great when I'm touring a bunch when like I can meet up with everybody and be like, hey, let's do like two glory hikes a week and like one or two pa- uh, park missions and then maybe an Edelweiss. I mean, yeah, that's like four days a week, but that's a lot of food. Yeah, I, I get I mean, I, I'm generally skinny. I've always been skinny, but I, I like lost some weight when I got when I started really getting active here and people are like oh you're skin and bones like you're like so skinny and like they're like you know harassing me about it i'm like well like dude i'm like climbing mountains like every other day like it's hard to even eat enough to 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 not lose weight in that yeah. in that activity level yeah it's 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 pretty funny it's like it's like the best season is the winter season because if i'm out and goofing off with my friends as much as i can i can eat whatever i want and there is like i will order like the large set of fries with poutine on it and, and have no problems with like it's the only time in my life that i've ever actually gotten to that point to where i go to a restaurant and i'm all like 
I will take the double burger. Like you go to the bird and you have like the two options between like the single patty and the double patty. I'm like, yeah. you go double, I'm like I just hike some stuff. Double patty. Double or patty. Just going the big schnitzel. Exactly. Or actually, um, so they have uh, what's the restaurant that's um, at the bar here in Wilson? Um, street food. Was that called stage? The, the stagecoach. Stagecoach, but the street food is is the, is the food. Yeah, is the food side of it. So they've got like some Reuben random sandwiches. Like some of the sandwiches they have that are like full grease and fat. Mm-hmm. Like I'm saving for that day that I do glory like two to three times or something. And I'm all like, you know what? I'm gonna do glory like twice today, and then I'm gonna go down and eat that sandwich. Yeah, it's like that's kind of like the carrot at the end of the stick. It's just going to street food and be like, yeah, yeah. You're like you're like three fourths the way up glory, and you're like. You're like, uh, Reuben sandwich. Or like, for me, like, they're bi- bimim- bimimbap bowls. How do, you, do you know how bim- you say it? Bim- I, bim- I don't know. Bimimbap <laughs> bowls. It's some Asian bowl. It's fantastic. That's my motivation when I'm, if if that's the plan. Mm. Or like a calico pizza or calico calico chicken parm. Oh, nice. I'm dangerously close to, ch- to calico here. Calico has <laughs> been my favorite here. restaurant in Jackson since I started vacationing here. Uh-huh. And now I live a half a mile away. Do you, that's, do you mountain bike at all? Yeah, yeah, a ton. Okay, did you did you you were here this summer, so we didn't know each other that much this summer. Yeah. So the bird, it's like my favorite, like going up. Uh, what is it? Get a cash game run. Yeah. It's it's that's got to be like my favorite like reward. Uh, food option is like when you just like get up to the top of cash game and you're just like. <laughs> I get a burger at the bottom of this. Yeah. Not only is the run beautiful most of the time and epic and super fun, but then I'm also like, <laughs> burger. Oh, also, beer, mimosas, all of it. Wings. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Sorry. Food being a major motivation. <laughs> it's, I, honestly, it's the only way to sustain the lifestyle is... Um, uh, I, I don't know if there's any other like town where like if you're going to live the lifestyle of the town, you literally have to consume like 4,000 calories a day. Yeah. Yeah, there's a game that I like to play when in the in the stretches with a lot of tourists of like where do that where do they live? I try to guess <laughs> of the tourists, and I know always I know as like a starting point if they seem some sort of like overweight or obese, it's like Midwest, like they don't live here or any like they don't live in a mountain town. No, like just if you do any sort of like if you're even like half active here. You're gonna be a de- a good a good healthy weight, right? Like oh, even yeah. if you're like walking around the paths, biking paths, stuff like that, you're gonna be fine. Well, and and the funny thing about it is, it it's not one of those things like you have to like self motivate to. It's just kind of one of those things that inherently becomes part of your everyday life, mm-hmm. um, just on accident. Because like you've got a friend that you want to hang out with, what are you gonna do to go hang out with them? You go walk with their dogs up Cash Creek, and then. It goes from like hanging out with that friend that goes walking a dog to being like, oh, hey, you know, it's beautiful out here. You want to go take the stand up paddle boards and we're going to go on Spring Lake. You know, like some of the most lazy activities in my mind, the most lazy activity I can think of is like probably paddle boarding Spring Lake, which most of the time I just fall asleep and attach myself to somebody else and let them pull me around. <laughs> it's the best ever. I um, that. It's, done st- that. it's still like in, in other cultures that are used to like, I don't I, I in other areas that are used to going to the mall or just going to somewhere else to sit and eat, that's what they would do. But out here the thing we do would be like something like outside. Human powered travel. Like some sort of human powered travel. Yeah. Like and that's to me in the, my mind is like the laziest thing that I can think about doing is like getting some sort of inflatable device and floating around String Lake or some other area in I don't know. 
speaking from the Midwest, like the big thing is yeah. go to our cabins and we'd like ride around on pontoon pontoons and shit. And that's the lazy thing. Like you, you know, ride around on a pontoon and you drink beer and that's, that's the lazy thing. Yeah. That's the, that, that's the lazy. And then you like thing. go to a bar or something or they bring snacks out on there. And so, you know, that's how, that's how that happens. Yeah. I mean like it, and everything kind of like just accelerates from there. It's just like, okay, so like, Oh, we're going to go ride bikes around town. Okay. So let's go ride bikes around town and riding bikes around town turns into doing something else or doing something else. Or as I moved in, like already slightly athletic being like, Oh, I snowboard, I snowboard at the resort. You meet people and they're like, Oh, well we also like to snowboard out of bounds. And then you get mm-hmm. the out of bounds gear. And so you start snowboarding out of bounds with them. And you're just like, Oh, this is, you get the uncomfortable becomes more comfortable very fast out here. Yeah. Do you, can you remember your first time doing glory? Oh God, that was hell. <laughs> yeah, honestly, Mount, it for, took for me the a audience that doesn't know, the Mount Glory's climbing Mount Glory is like an hour and ten minutes of a stair stepper with a backpack and a snowboard on your back or skis. In sideways cold wind and some of the worst weather conditions you can think of. At elevation, yeah, it starts at like eighty five hundred feet. Uh, glory for, for the, since I've been here, glory has been, uh, my mental game Yeah. because it's one of those, those hikes that will make you interact with yourself and your mindset and what yeah. it is you think you can and cannot do. Yeah. You it, get, you get to some dark places. In you there. get to dark places on glory. You face the deepest parts of your own self-worth and the security out of that. Like, I think my, f- my first time up glory, it probably took me an hour and 45 minutes. Um, <laughs> I'm not kidding. And that's get being, being very, very generous with myself. And I, I think I, I put myself against that. I pit myself against that mountain for like two years straight. I think I spent a season where I couldn't even make it to the top, but mostly I was going by myself. So like the ability for my brain to tell me that you should stop doing this was pretty, pretty strong. Um, but I would still keep going. And it took me a long time to get to that point to where I was able to fight my own, demons to be like no no i can do this i'm not gonna let you tell me that i can't mm-hmm. to make it to the top on yeah. my own um and what does it the last time like we did it we made it up in like 55 minutes or something right we made it up in like an hour and five minutes with a 10 minute photo shoot like of the sun rising when the you mean eric did it yeah yeah like, three of us together that was, like, fast, that, yeah. was that was a that was a fast hike it's probably one of the faster ones i've ever done and i mean given the fact that like we had really good weather and the boot pack was like not horrible because the week earlier, like we set the boot pack, there was sideways wind. The worst thing you can do is try and hike up a mountain with twenty pounds on your back, and the wind is blowing you off. Yeah, it sucks. Um, but it's it's in those places, in those dark moments, where where you're basically telling yourself, "Why am I doing this? This sucks. This mm-hmm. is horrible. I can't believe I'm doing this. You should just turn around. Like you're an idiot. Like like all the negativity that boils to the surface." when you are dealing with something that that is that obnoxiously physically challenging and mentally challenging yeah i mean it, it's it's not it's not like you're climbing the grand or anything but it's it's glory because you're also there's also that it's like it's just glory yeah struggle everyone does this everybody does this like 100 people a day do this exactly. and oh yeah and you have a 70 year old pass you like i don't know how many times that's happened yeah yeah <laughs> just like damn it I'm this like, is like his nine millionth time up glory and he's uh, just zooming by you yeah you know like and i'll have like the senior citizens like you know like trudge past me like they, but they've also done it a million times um but all of those places like it's some of the most amazing scenarios to be able to grow and change and that actually i think is part of the magic of jackson um because it is so easy to find those places where you're pushing yourself to your limits at any point it could be edelweiss it could be glory it could be somewhere in the park but they're all here 
Yeah. And they're all so easily accessible to where like your friends will take you up being like, oh yeah, we're going to have an easy, fun skin today. Like this is your first time we're going to go up Edelweiss. I'm like, yeah, you're still climbing 2,000 feet. You know, it's, yeah. you know, your friends are like, oh yeah, it's going to be super fun and easy. And then you're just like, oh God, what did I get myself into? Like I remember my first time up Edelweiss with a bunch of other girls being like, I'm the worst piece of shit ever. <laughs> I suck at this. You know, and then, and then, you know, like three years later or four years later, I'm like, I, I get really excited when I pass people now. <laughs> I'm yeah. just like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I try to encourage them on my way. I'm like, you can do this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's, it, that's kind of like half the magic of being in Jackson is like going from that position, that place where like, this is such an unfamiliar place or realm. Like I would have never thought of backcountry skiing or backcountry snowboarding as like a place that I would have gone mm-hmm. coming from like an urban childhood that started snowboarding at like 18, 19. Mm-hmm. Like it was a confusing, this was something that was slightly out of the box for me. And then moving to an area where it became the norm and then the norm became the extra norm. The, the norm above became that norm. And, and every season it's kind of expanded on itself to where, now I don't have a pass and all I do is go ski the park with my friends. Yeah. It's not like I'm doing anything super crazy. Like I haven't done like the South Teton or I'd like to do Buck because I, I, every time I go up, I can see it up there. But, you know, I'm, I'm still at that point to where that's that's my goals and my limits for this year is like, all right, can is this comfortable? Is this comfortable? Is this comfortable? So mm-hmm. the full on like crazy adventurous mountaineer chick is like that's still that's still something I'm working towards. Mm-hmm. Um, but somebody who has no problem going by myself to go ski 25 store order Mavericks or all right. Like, yeah, I got no problems doing that. Yeah. Um, and even that that's, you know, miles ahead of like the, even the average snowboarder or the average backcountry. Oh traveler. my God. It took me like five years to get there. Like yeah. it, you know, when I'm sitting there my first time out being like, you know, doing 2000 feet was, was the beyond my personal capabilities. That was a hard day. Yeah. And you know, like having friends that are incredibly supportive and, <laughs> you having friends that are incredibly supportive and encouraging that also were willing to take me out on their down days to show me these larger expanses like every time i go and and see a new place in the park it opens up a whole new zone in my world that then becomes less not in a, in a good way in a bad way it becomes less scary mm-hmm. it becomes something that i'm familiar with but also something to be scared of and so as we're playing around in the park and as we're moving and it's it's taken me five years to get there from somebody who's still fairly active, who snowboarded for many years before that, just to get where I'm at here in town. Yeah. And so for everybody, like, there's so many girls that move out here being like, oh my gosh, there's so many amazing things out there and I've never done this before. And I'm like, yeah, I've been there. That was five years ago. I'm here now. It took five years. Mm-hmm. Give it time. Give it Give it patience. Give it empathy. God, dear God, give yourself empathy because like, <laughs> this is not easy. Um, yeah. You know, now I'm all like, yeah, whatever. I just did like 4,500 feet today. Me, me, me. You know, like if my future self could talk to my past self on that one, it'd be like, dude, this is still hard. But you'll get there. You'll get there. You'll get there. And then it becomes easy. Yeah. Er. Not easy, but easier. Easier. Yeah. Yeah. The climb of glory never is never easy. <laughs> oh, God, no. It's just easier. Easier. Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes when you think you got it and then you just have one of those bad days, it's just harder. <laughs> yeah. I think about that a lot in the sense of like, if I could, if I could show, um, you know, like middle school or, or high school Tyler, what 27 year old Tyler is doing. Uh-huh. And I don't, I don't think he would even believe it, you oh, know, God, no. right? Like, uh, you know, high school Tyler fell in love with Jackson hole, comes out to the resort, skis in the resort, 
doesn't really have an idea of like what else goes on anywhere else besides the resort. Like knows that there's stuff out there, knows people go out there, but doesn't really know that the average person goes out there. Doesn't even know how to how to go out there. Yeah, you think some extra special superhuman is the one that does that sort of thing? Yeah, it's just the TGR athletes. Exactly, is probably what I thought. Um, and then if I were to if I were to show high school Tyler that twenty seven year old Tyler lives on Village Road, like the road to the village. Dude, no way. Between the what's up, hun? Okay. Lives between the village and the pass. Um and does what I do on the regular, like Edelweiss, Glory, all those. I don't I don't think he would believe me. Oh yeah, no, I'm 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 pretty dang sure that like if I had uh, my high school self, um, we are two different people. Not, mm-hmm. I, I I'm not even kidding. Like if you talked to me like three years ago and told me that I was doing this, like I wouldn't believe you. Um, <laughs> and you know a lot a lot of that has has been just the fact that I sat down one day and decided to make a stay of it, and I think a lot of it was hiking glory, and dealing with like the self doubts and, and like all of those fun little things that bubble up in glory and looking them face to face and being like, no, I can still do this. Yeah. And then making it to the top of that dang mountain, um, over and over and over again. And then that mountain became like, okay, I can do this mountain. Okay. What's my next mountain? Yeah. That's the baseline now. Yeah. That's so that's baseline, but it's still hell. (laughs) It's baseline hell. Yeah. Um, (laughs) there's a great meme out there and I think it's got like, uh, what is it from he man, but it's the bad guy with the skull and (laughs) you're aging yourself. I don't know those ones. (laughs) I'm totally old, but, um, I'm trying to remember this meme. It's just like, um, why would you do this? Like you're just struggling to go uphill for multiple hours with a lot of pain and like, you know, and you might get one good run out of this. It's like jokes on you. I like, I like that shit. Yes. <laughs> you know, like jokes on you. I like that shit. Yeah. You know, and, and it went from being like that being one of the most worst experiences I can ever have to being something that I absolutely crave and enjoy, mm-hmm. you know, and there is that transformation that happens when you, you put yourself in those places where you move past your previously thought, you know, peaks of, of personal performance. And then you, you meet that and you meet that person there face to face. And then you sit there and be like, well, I made it here. This is what I thought I could do. Well, what's next? Yeah. What, what else is there? Like, I'm like, okay, I could be done now or what's next. And so then you, you start thinking bigger and broader of like, so what's, what's really possible. And I, I think for me, like I've traveled the world multiple times studying the wine, studying wine or just goofing off and you know this is the first time that i've actually sat in one place and that's that is the magic of of jackson again is like i sat in one place i have everything around me here to challenge me both mentally emotionally and physically and and find those next places of just like okay well what's next you know like i'm at that point where i'm 39 i'm gonna be 40 and i've basically maxed out every expectation i've ever had of myself (laughs) <laughs> of it's like amazing. what it is that i could do i mean I've, i mean i've lived in hawaii i've lived in the caribbean i've traveled through france italy spain portugal um i've traveled the u.s i've rode the grand canyon you know i've gone to central america i've gone to north america and i've done a lot of really dumb stuff that's super fun <laughs> and you know i might as well just take a stand and be like what else can i do that's different than just that so for me it's like okay can i make it to the top of this mountain I had a motto when I was in Utah right before I moved out here. It's like I climb the mountains outside so I can climb the mountains inside. 
Oh, shit. Look to your left. There's a book on this bookshelf called Mountains of the Mind. Oh, really? You need to read this book. Where is it? It's, uh, what, what color is it, Mike? What is it? Uh, I, think it's, I think it's... Okay, we'll find it. Okay. It's in there somewhere. But that's Mountains of the Mind is exactly... The whole book is about exactly what you just said. Yeah, I, that's kind of been my motto since I moved out here is I climb the mountains in, outside to climb the mountains inside. Yeah. And that has been the biggest sense of growth in me, just not in what I can physically do outside, but what I can do with my wine education, with what I can do with my jobs, with what I can do for the people around me. It's it's these internal hurdles that I go through, but it's the, the challenges I meet when I'm out there, when I'm climbing mountains that make me find, find and fight the challenges inside, which yeah. has been probably pretty awesome yeah okay yeah you 100 percent need to read this book okay. i will find this when we when we stop recording it is this whole book is about like it's about uh in equal parts like why are we we as crazy mountain humans drawn to the mountains and then like what what can we achieve with ourselves because we climb the mountains outside um and like within the idea of like goal setting and internal mountains oh yeah um that is that is a, a like i think that really is a lot of the magic that is jackson is because we have all these mountains outside and we all kind of show up with our internal internal mountains that we have to climb and yeah. we pit ourselves like you can talk to most mountaineers about this and a lot of them will have the same thing we pit ourselves and we deal with ourselves out there that's that's the battlegrounds of dealing mm -hmm. with ourselves and then we yeah. can come back in and take it to other realms like most of the certification programs i went through um i didn't do until i started um trying to go bigger outside like it was mm -hmm. the years like i hurt myself i i had a torn labrum and i couldn't really go hiking and that's when i delved i couldn't hike outside so i delved inside and started doing a lot of these tests and programs and then as soon as i was able to be healed enough to go back outside I was able to kind of take the courage and strength, not from my physical side, but my mental side. When like when you're passing some of the hardest tests you can come across with honors, like okay, maybe I'm there's maybe there. there's something else there. Maybe I'm good at this. Maybe this is something I can do. Yeah. And then you take it out there because like beforehand it was it was really not an option. And then when you go out and be like, well, I just did something I didn't think I can do. Well, there's a peak right there. Let me pit myself against that. And then yeah. you, you take them and they kind of play against each other in, in multiple ways, shapes and forms. Like I climb something big outside and when my body says, okay, you're done climbing, then I'll go and climb something really big inside. And they, 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 they play off each other, they play off each other in these yeah. uh, amazing, beautiful places of just growth and experience. Yeah. Yeah. So to tell you, so I told you earlier when we were at the, at the, the distillery today, um, so audience, I met my 2020 sales quota for my job at FIS. And that's a, thank you. That's a, that's a fairly large achievement that, you know, the nature of sales goals these days is just, it's a doubly stretch goal and it's a really big deal and not that many people do it. And it's my first time doing it in my career. So it's a, I'm really proud of, proud of myself, but to tie it into this category, you know, January 1st or probably more like January 3rd of, of 2020, it was faced with a quota of, you know, a couple million dollars, $2 million. And I was able to, because of my time literally spent on glory of like, you know, I have to just take one step after the other. And every step I take is getting me closer to the, to the peak and the peak is my reward. And then the, the ride down is my reward after that. And, uh, being able to take that mindset 
to a $2 million quota and say, you know, every deal I sell is one step up glory, basically, you know, to say, you know, bigger deals are maybe like a, a couple steps up, you know, like whatever it is. Bigger deals are just a combination of smaller steps like that. So glory yeah. get, you know, that steep part in glory where like after you make it to that weird you rock, mean, like and besides mellow, the whole thing. But no, there's that, that be, so there's that. So I, I break it up into different sections. So there's that, yeah, that was, weird like yeah. pacing rock and then it's kind of flat. And then you've got this weird area where it just kind of ledge climbs for a while before you get into that other rock scenario. You have to go up and around. This is kind of close to that big green thing. Yeah. Uh, that weird steep section. Yeah, after the climb. plateau rock. So that yeah. like I, I break it up into the thirds. The first third goes to that rock. Yeah, so the second, second third, third is what you're talking about. And yeah. So the that weird section in the second third where basically like That's the hell. That's that's, that's the worst one. Especially when you're five two, you know, like <laughs> and somebody really tall put it in the boot pack before you and you <laughs> it just was me. Like it take, was me. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm gonna take this guy down. Like I'm like, sorry, like your guys' steps to get up this and I'm just sitting there like I'm like scrambling because I I can't move my legs like that. Um <laughs> you know, like scrambling up these things, it you know, that's that point where like for you, like those are when you put like two steps is like like a huge gain, yeah, and that's part of your sales go in the end. Like for me, like those are those steps where I'm sitting here going, like my brain is telling me I'm not good enough and I should not be doing this. Mm-hmm. And every time that happens, I have to stop and be like, yeah, no, no, I can actually do this. And I have mm-hmm. to fight my own brain with it. Same goes with like setting like goal setting and being able to um, get to that point to where you're no longer having to have that argument with yourself and whether or not you can do something. And it gets quiet Mm -hmm. and it's actually really nice. And it's taken me a long time to get to that point to where I don't have to sit there and talk myself into finishing this hike. And I'm just hiking because it's nice. Mm -hmm. Like I've actually beat that voice down so hard at this point. The one that says like, this is hard. You shouldn't be doing this. You should turn around. It doesn't show up anymore. It's just like, yeah, no, you're good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's a little bit of like, uh, sometimes I'll get a little bit of like imposter syndrome. Oh, yeah. Kind of, you that know, both both in sales and both in, in like hiking. It's, and wine all the time. Yeah, it's like, you know, I did I've done the, I did the middle twice this summer, uh-huh. and you know, up near the top, you know, a little bit of imposter syndrome of like, you know, who am I, kid from suburban Minnesota, to be climbing the Middle Teton? You know, who am I to be guiding my brother up the Middle Teton? Like that's where that fear of like. Did I do something wrong? Is something bad going to happen? Should I, I be doing this? I, yeah. Am I I'm responsible for my brother at this point? And then when the winter stuff, it's like, you know, you, you, we do all the research we can with the conditions and, and the where we're going and all, all the stuff. But there's sometimes there's the like, you know, you know, the why am I doing this? You know, there's the doubt. There's the there's the in sales. It's like. Are these goal? Are these deals happening because I'm providing value in them, or is it like you know, so just something that could have happened, whether or not I'm the one help, you know, doing them? So those are all like that self doubt, imposter system type thoughts that that happen in in that middle third of your journey, right? Oh yeah, in that weird steep part on glory where you you get a face down every self-doubt you have and mm-hmm. you 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 have to face your imposter syndrome you have to face um every little bit and like there there's there there's two outcomes either you're gonna keep going or you're gonna turn around and 
you know, for me, there was definitely a lot of those times where I turned around and it won like the, the, the self fear, the doubt the you can't, you're not strong enough. You're too tired. Like I would talk myself out of going to the top. It wasn't my body that gave up. It was my brain. It was my mind. Mm -hmm. And it took a lot. Of it took a long time before, and it, and it crosses over with the rest of my life, the rest of my career of being able to continue to move forward, even though the wind might be a little bit intense or like, honestly, it's really hard because it's really hard. Um, just to keep going and and the more that i face that the easier it is to it just goes like those those voices just kind of dissipate like they're still there if i listen to them but i have the choice and and i think that might be the the biggest cultivation is i get to choose which part of my mind i'm listening to the one that says no you can't versus the one that says yeah you're no problem keep going you're fine yeah uh, I, but then, i take it back to like uh, it, do I want to be the kind of person that cuts that goes down half of glory or do I want to be the kind of person that does all of glory? Like, do I want to be the kind of person that does 50% of their quota or do I want to be the kind of person that does all of it? Yeah. I, I look at like, it's not, it's not really like what another person thinks of me. It's like, what does third person Tyler think of Tyler? Yeah. Want to think of Tyler? future tyler or past tyler wants to watch tyler yeah. do right now being like what i want to be the guy that does the whole thing i want to be the guy that goes farther i want to be the guy that works harder i want to be those guys that go farther than than what the self-doubt tells me i can or what the, the normal person does yeah and is going back to the idea of that there is a unique magic in jackson and and that's kind of what it is it's it is it is that place that will inherently make you push yourself past push yourself to be the best version of yourself you can be mm -hmm. but you, you kind of have to let the town do that but it yeah. will it, it, if you open yourself up to the experience of being in jackson of being in these mountains and not just the tetons like there's there's a lot of other mountain ranges you can go play on out here yeah, there's like four within view of where we're sitting. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> different ranges. Um, and there's so many different sports that are more than just skiing or snowboarding out here that you can play with as well. I mean, like there's cross-country skiers, there's snowshoers. Like, I mean, golf. it doesn't go – winter golf. Mountain, bike, mountain biking, mountain fat, biking, fat tire biking. But the, the thing is the whole town, the whole energy behind the town is actually pushing you to be able to face what it is you think you can and cannot do physically i wouldn't say it's doing it mentally but physically it will push you mm -hmm. and then if you have the capability to take it to other places outside of that like in your work in your profession you know outside of jackson it it, it has this ability to just completely like mushroom cloud and grow yeah definitely awesome so we're at we're at, at an hour and nine minutes Okay. I'm sure you've been smelling the the goodies that Taylor has cooked up for us. Oh my gosh, she's got like this ribbon dip going on right yeah, now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, folks. It is it's New Year's Eve. Um, we have, we have some people over, so let's let's end it for tonight. Um, you can find Heather on Instagram at at mind dot bottling. No, it's mind underscore bottling underscore, underscore. bottling. Yeah. Or, but only if you really want to like read about like some in-depth personal yeah. thoughts that I will go through because they're there. Yeah. Or um, and plenty of stuff from Stillworks. Um, find us there. They're doing great stuff. They're friends of the podcast. Um, yeah, I guess we can call it a night. Happy New Year's, everyone. Uh, even though the common narrative today, I don't know if you saw it on social media, everyone has been talking like, oh, can't wait for 2021. It's going to be so much different than 20." 2020 and um just like um no like tomorrow is like just another day so 
2021 will only be better than 2020 if you make it so. So everybody that's listening, make 2021 better than 2020. And that's all I have. Heather, anything else? Um, yeah, no, we're walking into a new year and honestly, it's just a new day. Anytime you want to, you can turn a new day into a new year. It's just, it's just every time you wake up, you can go ahead and just yeah. make it better than the one before. So yeah. Salud. Salud. Um, drink some nice, fancy wine, do your thing, celebrate. Um, have a good day, everyone. Bye. Thank you.